That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, this is Pia Baranchini, and welcome to Everything is the Best, the podcast where I get vulnerable and make others do it with me. The goal here is to deep dive into interesting people's journeys, finding common denominators, and hopefully making you feel not so alone. So let's laugh, let's cry, and let's get inspired to live our best lives. Shira Myro is a mindfulness-based psychotherapist who is deeply committed to helping people process painful experiences and dysfunctional relationships into secure, resilient narratives. We were introduced by my functional medicine doctor who is incredibly focused on the mind-body connection. So I thought during these incredibly difficult and uncertain times, it would be in everyone's best interest to get a little free therapy session. We discuss the importance of boundaries, routine, and compassion. Stay tuned to the end of the episode where Davide and I answer your relationship questions to see if it's one of yours. Okay, well, I'm. this was fast. <laughs> <laughs> I know, well, I really, I just wanted to get it out um, as soon as possible so people can start immediately implementing probably some of the very helpful tips that you have. Um, first and foremost, we start every podcast with your high and low of the week. Okay. And these can be like very little things. If you want to just let me know quickly what your high and your low is. What my high and my low is. I mean, it's hard just because the days are blurring into each other. Yeah, it's been extra <laughs> difficult for everyone. Yeah, but you you just like, you don't know whether it's a Tuesday or a Thursday. I thought it was Thursday today. Big time thought it was Thursday. Mind blown when I found out today was Friday. I feel like it's Thursday every day. <laughs> <laughs> like Thursday every day. Okay, so um, let's see, highs and lows. Well, I guess it could have been a high or a low. I was uh, I was teaching a client, a first-time meditation um, student, how to meditate. And uh, we were practicing. He was suffering from anxiety and all the pandemic stuff, and it was affecting his professional life. And so he's, he's dropping in, he's breathing, and we're talking about, you know, connecting to the breath. And sure enough, we hear these, this is my Rooney's mountain dog, Luna, um, who follows me everywhere. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, she's quite codependent. She starts snoring, like, she's <laughs> <laughs> 100 pounds. So she, sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night, and I don't know who's snoring. I hit my husband. And he's like, oh my gosh, our dog snores too. That's so, so funny. Just in the middle of a nice meditation. 
in this nice, quiet meditation, I see one eye open. <laughs> I don't know if he thinks I'm snoring. Oh was, my God, that's so It's so awkward. And finally I said, no, no, it's it's my dog. <laughs> it's my dog snoring. And so I had to I had to show the move the, the, the video camera over so he could see that she was indeed snoring. We, we laughed and so it broke the meditation that I just thought that was very I feel funny. like everyone's Zooms have been interrupted by a dog or a child lately. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's, I feel like that separation, you know, the professional separation, it just, it's dissolving. It's, you know, or you see people in their pajamas. I know something. <laughs> I know. Yeah, no pants on. No pants on. Yes, it's called <laughs> <pants> therapy. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, I'd love to also, before we even get into some of the um, like literal practices that we can start implementing, if you want to just give like a little quick kind of what we already talked about, a little bit about you, how you grew up, like what brought you into this profession, so we can give everyone a little context of your story. Sure. Well, um, I'm a mindfulness-based psychotherapist, and uh, I had a uh, quite an unusual upbringing. Uh, my father was a Hollywood composer, uh, but he was also a Christian scientist um, and had a radical conversion experience when he was 33 and um, was, was healed of a terminal cancer. And uh, he had been a spiritual seeker all of his life, but he had really found, and I think I would too, if I had six months to live and and my tumors disappeared. And he had married a, an Israeli actress, my mother, uh, and had three little girls. Uh, so I'm the middle of, of three sisters. Um, but she had treatment-resistant paranoid schizophrenia. And um, he, he was really convinced that uh, Christian science could heal her schizophrenia, but it never did. And so um, I think that combination of Christian science, which is very much a sort of I don't know if it's puritanical, but an absolutist sort of mind over matter mm-hmm. idea where, you know, it's a sort of spiritual bypass over anything that's happening on the material plane. I want to say good or bad, really. Mm-hmm. And then my mother's bizarre universe of, you know, Israeli Mossad agents and the CIA and um, radiation rays and aliens and all of, I mean, she had a very, very, her own private world. Um, nightmarish world sort of growing up between the two of them. Sometimes I didn't know who had a more tenuous grip on reality. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it made for a very kind of split existence where I didn't trust myself. I didn't trust my own experience. I didn't trust uh, my, my feelings or my intuitions. Um, so long story short, I mean, it, it was really a tremendous journey after my, my dad died when I was 27. He, he dropped out of a massive heart attack and it, it led me into um, depth psychology in the world of Carl Jung and then graduate school at, at Pacifica, depth psychology and um, back to meditation and mindfulness, which was, was very, very healing for me precisely because instead of splitting and denying what was happening in my experience, mindfulness and Vipassana meditation made space for it and allowed for all of the feelings and sensations and thoughts. And so I could hold all of the pain I was feeling, not by denying it, but welcoming it mm-hmm. and be in conversation with it. And 
that was really a big turning point for me in, in my own practice as, as a therapist who now really I specialize in couples and complex trauma and working with adult children of severely mentally ill parents as my own. But this idea that you know, trauma isn't monolithic and that um, it's not that you, you work through adversity by, and become resilient, like there's, there's some plot point that you turn. It's really your, there's a thousand permutations of trauma. And mm-hmm. if you learn how to be in conversation, resilience is learning how to be in conversation with all those difficult moments that come up and crop up in different ways. So it's, it's, it's very deep, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, go through our experience um, and our own journeys. And I think it's more how we hold what's coming up for us than the fact that we somehow muscled through it and got to some sort of, some kind of standing place with it. I'm emotional thinking about you as a young child looking at your mom having episodes. I can't imagine what that must have been like because, you know, I think when you have that moment as a child, however young it can be, when you look at your parent and you think, I don't know if, I think there's something wrong here. Like maybe you're wrong. It's a soul crushing moment to think that your parents are not perfect. Oh my goodness. I, devastating. And also, unsure of who to believe. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Whose authority here then? Yeah, absolutely. I think the saddest part, the hardest part for me was feeling forsaken by God, you know, because we would pray every night. I mean, I knew, I think earlier that my mom was crazy at at a certain point or that, but we didn't really understand much about it. I mean, schizophrenia is still one of those illnesses that it's it's somewhat opaque. We we don't know much about it or, or how it forms in the brains, but we do know that schizophrenic brains look different. But I think for me, I had kind of internalized this invisibility that God didn't see us, that he didn't listen to our prayers, that there must have been something, some reason, some some mysterious reason why. And I, I think that was the most damaging part of all. Yeah, that makes sense to me. When my husband gets the most sad, I remember telling you this the other day, he, you know, I practice faith. So I'm constantly saying my morning prayers and being grateful and doing everything that I know that keeps me sane and level. And my husband growing up super Catholic, more than me, even obviously in Italy, he feels that way. It's this big pressure um, of like, he'll say, God forgot me. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that interesting? And uh, yeah. I wonder if with, you know, feeling powerless sometimes when, when we externalize that, that God, you know, these, these awful things happen. How do we make meaning out of suffering? And especially now, right? Here we are in this crazy pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. That's global in scope. And I think a lot of people are tapping into it, this collective sense of helplessness. Mm-hmm. I, around. Yeah. It's, it's, I've, it's a scary thing to have that moment where you're like, I've been doing all this work and where, why isn't this happening for me? Which I think, by the way, is like incredibly negative thinking and very harmful um, and goes back to even why we're talking today, which is for those um, to give a little context for our listeners, I interviewed Dr. Lekos, who will be on the podcast in I think about two weeks. And he told me that I needed to get Shira on the show as soon as possible because one of his biggest parts of his practice is the mind-body connection. Um, and he said that you have been a huge part of healing a lot of his patients and working to really understand that like your, you know, mental well-being can affect your body in extremely harmful ways. And I thought, obviously, it's incredibly beneficial right now during quarantine to give 
people a little bit of hope and actual like practice. So what are, I mean, there's a million ways we can begin this discussion, but what has kind of been, have you found like an overarching kind of like recipe for your patients right now? Like what's something that you find you've been telling everybody? Well, I think really the, the the primary thing that we're all struggling with in different ways is that that overarching sense of anxiety and uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Half of it is the loss, like the grief of the loss of the life that we we had maybe six weeks, two months ago, right? And that fear will it will it ever return to normalcy? And I think loss in big and small ways. You know, for some of us, certainly tremendous maybe financial loss or our businesses have evaporated overnight. And how that affects our identity. Because mm-hmm. um, there's, there's so many things, you know, when we were talking earlier about, you know, no boundaries, right? Looking <laughs> <laughs> into the, to, you know, one to the other. Think about the ways that, um, that our, our day-to-day lives uh, create shape for us. Mm-hmm. And also demarcation in terms of, of the days, you know, our interactions with people, uh, our, our structure, all of those things. So I, I guess back to the anxiety piece, the first thing is really to accept the uncertainty. Because mm-hmm. as long as you're fighting it, you can't be in the present moment. And, and anxiety is essentially fear. And so w- what I say is, okay, so there's certain things we, we really have no control over, um, which is we don't know when there's going to be a vaccine, right? We, we don't know when the economy is going to recover. So I bring patients back to the present moment which is how do you ground in the moment? How do you establish a sense of safety or security in the moment with yourself? You know, which is first to allow that you feel the way that you feel, mm-hmm. kind of coming to that. And then saying, you know, how, how can I take care of myself? What, what do I need in this moment? You know, do I need to, hopefully you can go outside, but take a, a, a walk around the block. Maybe I can meditate, maybe just a few breaths if I can't meditate. Um, I know for some people, gardening has been helpful or checking in with your partner if they're available to you. So things that you can do to sort of, you know, come back, you're creative. So maybe if you want to design something, practices that make you feel like you're in your body and you're in the moment. Those are really very helpful if, if you have the space. If you don't, that's tough too. Right, which is to say, oh, my goodness, you know, I, I've, the kids are going ballistic. <laughs> I have to work. Mm-hmm. You know, they're interrupting my phone calls. What do I do? You know, and again, I, I want to say, what, whatever you can do, just a, a few deep breaths to sort of find your ground, so that you can create a little. I want to say, space inside yourself, because I think when we don't have that spaciousness inside ourselves we're going to lash out at the people that we love. How do you recommend that? I mean, I've heard lots of different ways that mothers um, implement kind of like rules and boundaries so they can have the space to meditate or do yoga or like, you know, I I have a one girlfriend who says, you know, between three and four every day, like all of my kids know, like that's quiet time in our house collectively. So if they want to sit in color, fine, but like, I'm not to be bothered. My husband's not to be bothered. Like we are going to do some stretching and some meditation and it settles everyone down. But is there anything, other tips like that for families I can't imagine what it would be like to have children right now. Well, I think there's a difference between, and every kid's different, right? And every mm-hmm. family is, is different and it's like a little ecosystem. Mm-hmm. So I feel especially right now for, for families with very small children, that's incredibly difficult, you know, or children with special needs and they get really emotionally dysregulated mm-hmm. and that takes a lot more energy, you know, when you're trying to manage your own anxiety and then trying to manage them. I think structure in general is very helpful, very helpful in terms of separating the day, 
And if that means letting go of certain things, like I feel really guilty that my kids are playing way too many video games. Mm -hmm. I feel their brains are decomposing and they're rooting sprouts into the couch. (laughs) You know, and my husband wants them to be way more productive. I think we downloaded Masterclass. And I was like, okay, that's going to be hard. Why does every dad think that their kids should just like zap out of being children and immediately become hyper-intelligent? It's like... (laughs) Yeah. And, and my so teenage funny. son, the only masterclass he watched was the one on poker. <laughs> like, not, <laughs> not the one on astronomy or <laughs> business. <laughs> oh my God. Of course, now he's, he's, um, everybody lost all their money at the two family poker games. Great. It's nice yeah. on top of the pandemic. <laughs> I think back to your question, the other piece of it is everybody's coping in different ways. Yeah. You know, some of us, some of us are going to be more hypervigilant and more nervous and more anxious and more protective and sanitizing like bananas. And then some of us may be a little bit more dissociative or more lax or feel, you know, they want to check out and binge watch Netflix. And so it's not like there's one right way to cope Mm -hmm. with what's happening. And so I would say, you know, especially you, you know, you and your husband or you and your partner, and even relative to the kids, to kind of check in with how they're doing, but give them space. You know, if, if they need to retreat, if they need some time alone, don't keep hammering in to talk about how you're feeling because that might backfire. You know what I mean? I learned that the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> so, honey, how are you feeling? How are you feeling? How you feeling? Why are you talking to me? Why are you paying attention to me? What are you doing? Why do you want to sit on the other side of the house for me? Nope. <laughs> exactly. That doesn't work. <laughs> uh, The other thing I recommend is rituals of connection, but quality versus quantity. So in other words, maybe, you know, especially because you're home with your family and now it's family time all the time, Mm -hmm. that may feel like a lot of pressure. And I want to suggest maybe making like for my husband and I, we, we do, I bring him coffee in the morning and we talk for a few minutes and that's our little ritual or sometimes I can get him to go on a walk with me at night or sometimes, you know, let's say once a week I I get in the jacuzzi with the kids and we talk. And those are little sort of moments that we've carved out in the day that have intention. But, you know, it's it's quality versus quantity because I think we all need space to work and to sort of be ourselves. And I think when there isn't enough boundaries, that's where you feel like you can get on top of each other and it can start to feel pressured. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then for those, I mean, I don't want to speak from too much from like a California context because we are incredibly privileged. So, I mean, my thoughts are constantly with my friends in New York and people in New York who have roommates that they're not even very close to, you know, kind of being alone essentially during this um, in a place that is incredibly dangerous right now and very uh, strict. So you know, what would kind of be your advice for a lot of like the young people in New York? It's really hard, you know, just also, I, I want to say psychologically being in the epicenter of COVID is, is intense. And I think with, for each person, it's going to feel a little bit different, but I think finding ways again, of how to create shape in your day. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is really interesting. Uh, my sister, who's who's single, um, we were talking about this. That sometimes she gets these calls that feel very patronizing, like you're single and I'm worried about you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> she wanted to say, like, I'm totally fine. <laughs> like, I, I don't need your pity, but like, I need your friendship. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. You know, and that um, 
I, I think finding ways to connect, you know, that this has been a kind of interesting phenomenon. And I think we talked about it. Zoom is so hard sometimes that sometimes talking on the phone is easier and more intimate than, than talking over Zoom. Mm-hmm. So I, I want to say wh- whatever it is that makes you feel like at least in the day, plan to connect with one or two people. And I mean, my goodness, you know, there's, this is, if you have time, let's say, if, you, if you're not just working like crazy, you know, or you want to take a break from Netflix, there's so many beautiful authors and spiritual guides mm-hmm. and poetry. I mean, there's so many opportunities to kind of connect to people. I kind of think of them as like my journey tribe, right? Mm-hmm. The, the Pima Childrens, the David Whites, um, the people who have got me through really difficult times. It's a wonderful time to come to turn inward and to take solace in the company of all these beautiful minds and teachers who've come before us. We are very lucky that we, for the most part, especially here in America, have access to the internet because I just keep thinking you don't really, uh, I mean, it's very easy to spiral and depression is very real. And I know how easy it is to forget that all of this takes an extreme amount of practice. So to be easy with yourself, but I will say, you know, thank God that we have access to so much that, you know, part of me, even I was talking to my nephew the other day and I was like, it's your responsibility to utilize the privileges that you have to the best of your advantage. Like I know that a lot of kids I've been hearing yesterday, especially a lot of kids in high school have been killing themselves. They don't have sports. They don't have access to their friends. It's like, you know, obviously we can talk on the phone or over a screen as much as possible, but humans are social beings. We really are. It's it's amazing. I mean, that our, our, it's not just the, the fact of social relationships, but I'm so glad you brought that up, Pia, because uh, for teens, this is particularly difficult, right? Their, their worlds revolve around their social relationships. And I guess here's what I want to say to that. You know, we're starting to see upticks in suicides or suicidality. And I would say, if you're feeling you're that dark, that depressed, there's all kinds of ways to reach out. Suicide hotlines, there's all kinds of um, like community mental health clinics that are offering, whether it's text or online mental health um, for low cost or for free. And so when it's a hard call to make it, you know, because then, right, there's some shame and some stigma around thinking, oh my gosh, am I really in such a dark place where I, I want to escape? Um, this is too much. If there's a family member or a friend, are there like certain things we should look out for? You know, if maybe we're worried about a particular friend or family member, do you think just like constant checking in is the right thing? You know, uh, well, I guess if it's a, you're saying someone who doesn't live with you. Yeah. Or even if someone does live with you, I mean, because I think we also, outside of wanting to be our best selves, you know, as social creatures, I there's someone that you're worried about or want to check in with or have concerns about, I think that's just as valid as making sure that you're okay too, you know? Absolutely. You know, and I want to say depression is a normal response in this situation. Mm -hmm. It's not as if, I mean, we're all struggling to cope. I mean, despite what you see on Instagram, (laughs) like, Mm-hmm. And that's beautiful. And like all, you know, all those funny videos and that's awesome. And, you know, people baking, <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing too. But I guess if there's anything I could say that to feel anxious, to feel depressed, to, to feel grief, to feel loss, this is the normal human response in a situation like this. And so just to normalize that, that it's okay. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and that, that you're there and that if they need something, you're always available, you know, and if they want help with something, you know, sometimes I think when we know someone that we love is going through a hard experience, we kind of don't know what to say. So we say nothing. Mm-hmm. Right. Our, our society's become kind of avoidant. Like we're uncomfortable with that. Like, oh my God, I, I don't know what to say. Absolutely. But I think you're right, Pia, checking in. I love you. You know, I I know you're struggling. Let me know how I can help. Let Mm -hmm. me know what you need, anything. And so for just for them to know that um, you're there, it really matters. And I I like the idea that that, um, you don't just have a check-in and then like never follow up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because chances are, you know, and this is interesting. I mean, right, sometimes like we'll make a phone call to a friend and they don't call back. and what's up with that? You know, or they didn't call back, but I would say, you know what, pick up the phone again or text again. It's, it's no skin off your back. And chances are the the other person on the other end is going to be grateful because they know that you care and that they matter to you. Absolutely. What do you think are best practices for, or, you know, rituals that we can implement for those who the millions of people and a lot of our peers and especially in my industry who are, are laid off like and concerned about making rent and not having a purpose to wake up in the morning where do you start you know like with that which we talked about earlier like okay I'm waking up and most people right now wake up and they have this harsh reality of like what the fuck am I going to do today so what do you think Ideally, if you had an ideal patient who would follow your directions, like what would you, what best practices would you implement there? You know, it's, it's hard to generalize because, you know, know, everyone's so different, of course. I'm just literally trying to give like free therapy to everybody who like can't (laughs) afford to talk to someone and is listening to this. Like, I see you, I hear you, I want to help you. So, So sweet. I'm like, what can I do? Well, I think I think it's it's exactly that. What can I do, right? What's within the what kind of agency do I have? You know, what what can I I can do with my day? And so, you know, I think back to this. I would try to get some ground. Like this is a perfect time to. I would use mindfulness. I mean, because because that's my go to place. Which is, in other words, the the story, the catastrophic narrative. I don't have a job. It's a pandemic. I feel so depressed. You know. The what happens is so mindfulness. I'm going to give you the the cliff note. The cliff note definition is the ability to um, notice what's happening in the present moment, your thoughts, your feelings, your sensations in your body, but observe it with compassion and non-judgmentalness. And what's kind of amazing about this 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 is a practice that I think in the West we've we've kind of divorced from meditation or you know it's it's spiritual roots, but I think it, it can be effective both ways. But it's a it's basically a skill set where you're you're building the muscle of a, of awareness and attention where you're not over identifying with thoughts mm. and your emotions. So in other words, ah, there's depression, right? And that there's the thought, the narrative, right? Like I'm jobless. Uh, I can't pay the rent, um, you know, it's life is looking bleak. But when you can kind of step away and say, okay, that's my ego feeling all of that. Mm-hmm. But here I am, there's some part of me that's not so over identified and attached to that. And I can kind of sit outside that. And I think when you create that spaciousness, it allows you to be responsive versus reactive. Mm-hmm. And when I say reactive, right? Not reactive being triggered by everything. Totally going down that depression spiral. 
right? And then you just, you kind of roll down that rabbit hole and you're, you're not thinking, you're not responding. You're just running down the river with all of those difficult thoughts and emotions. I mean, then you might end up self-medicating or doing whatever you're going to do to not feel as opposed to gently holding this and saying, okay, this is really, really hard right now. You know, I don't have a job. I'm feeling depressed. And yet when there's one foot out that says, and that's not who I am, right? Mm -hmm. That's not the totality of my identity. This is something that I'm experiencing. This is something that actually millions of people are experiencing. And it's temporary. It is temporary, just like right emotions, feeling states are temporary, and that's important to know. And I think this too, as as much as this feels like this is the new normal, this is also temporary and it's going to pass. So that spaciousness, knowing that that this is temporary, is going to give you some freedom to say, okay, there's going to be next part of this chapter. What can I do going forward? Maybe I can. Maybe I can change my resume. Maybe I could work on that project that I, you know, was always pushing off. Maybe I can connect with some other friends or a network over Zoom, you know, just to start building my my um, network again. There might be some other things, but you're not bringing that catastrophic narrative and all the difficult feelings that come with it, so that it really bogs you down. And I want to say, takes away the ability to be who you are and hold on to you are uh, in that present moment. Mm-hmm. I think part of what's so difficult about this pandemic is the, the uncertainty of not knowing when it ends. There's not an end date, right? So all of us, are, we're still in that free fall. Like, where were, when are we going to land? And I think it makes it very difficult to imagine the future. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, okay, July 1st, that vaccine is <laughs> coming out. Um, not having a, 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 I think most of us operate, we all operate by fucking time. We have weekends and we have workday schedules and we have plans and we operate by seasons mentally and emotionally. Like we know it's going to get really cozy around Christmas. Maybe that's a trigger because you have to see your family or whatever, but like, like spring getting mixed into summer, like not knowing when fall is going to even, what that means to us, what fall traditionally means school starting for younger kids. And I think what I've been doing, and please, if you have any feedback, I would love to hear it, is um, just being obviously very present in the moment. I, today, I'm going to be my best self today. And then creating a schedule for myself mm-hmm. every day, which has been waking up, either doing a little meditation or I do a little prayer work, uh, mm-hmm. writing down my goals. And even what Dr. Lucko said is the first thing that he does. And then the most important thing is putting his feet on the ground and kind of just deep breathing, just getting himself grounded. Yes. Yeah, that's beautiful. Can I ask you, Pia, do you feel like you're able to be creative during this time? Like you're able to design and you're able to... I personally am more busy than I've ever been because I'm extremely freaked out about all of this crumbling. So I default to what I've has been my default mode for two years now, which is kind of uh, pushing feelings down, keeping my head down and just fucking ripping through the day as hard as I can and getting as much done as I can. So there isn't really a time and then, and I'm sticking to a normal work schedule so I can not get flustered. So at six o'clock I stop working and that's the time when I go on like a walk with my mom which has been a great new thing that we've been doing. We call them a little booze cruise. We'll make a cocktail and do a little walk in our neighborhood. <laughs> 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 
But then after that, like, then I make dinner for everyone usually. And so, and then I can do the, and then I'm tired. So I haven't had this outpouring of creativity because I don't really have any time for it, to Mm -hmm. be honest with you. But that's, again, something that I want. So I made like a schedule for myself this morning. Like, oh, I really you know, like I'm about to launch a website. Like I need to be writing beautiful articles for that website. Like I have to create a space for myself to feel good in that way. So like, Hey mom, Hey Davide, like I'm going upstairs and I need just like a couple hours. And they're always very receptive and understanding to that. Like tonight, I said to them today, like, Hey, I really want to like do some oil painting or some watercolors tonight. Like, why don't we not turn on the television? This news isn't serving us. So let's like eat some dinner or even before dinner, just like all paint together. And they were like super excited about that. It's, and they did it with you? Yeah, tonight we're going to do it. Oh, oh wow. That's beautiful. Yeah. I, I love that. You know, giving yourself permission, uh, but also inviting something that's out of the routine, even though structure and routine is so important for human beings in general. We're, we're creatures of habit. I love that you're doing that. That's, that's incredible. I mean, that's a kind of ritual that takes people out of, I want to say our predictive memory, like part of what's making those days blur one to the next Mm -hmm. is that we have a predictive memory that it's going to be more of the same. And so. Hmm. Having a weekend come and go is so weird to have a, like usually that's a time that I really reserve for like rewarding myself for my hard work during the week. And to have those Mm -hmm. days kind of just turn into like my mom and I go, you just laugh. We say every day is just day now. (laughs) <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> there's no where, there's no two, there's no just, third. Just stay. Just stay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, humor, humor, actually dark humor, I, I want to say can go a long way to take Absolutely. Do you want to touch on a little bit, actually, I would love for you to touch on, not to put pressure on anyone, because I don't want anyone to feel like they're not doing enough by not implementing any sort of helpful practices. Cause if you feel like you need to just sleep in and be mopey, then please God go do that too, of course. But, you know, I think going back to like the mind body connection, which is what brought you into my life with Dr. Luck, I was talking about how uh, we don't realize how much our brain controls our bodies and it's, you know, our health and, it must be an interesting, it's an interesting time because you even see it on Instagram, like this more unhealthy and mentally bad you are, the more you're susceptible to COVID. And and obviously that seems fear-based to me, but also, you know, we can really, I would love to talk about kind of the reality of trying to be as responsible as you can with your mindfulness because it does have really negative implications. Yeah, it's a great question. And it's true, right? The, uh, I know Dr. Lekos uses this statistic, but uh, over 90% of illness and disease, and this is a CDC statistic, right? This is not some Hippies. statistic yeah. out there, right? That uh, over 90% of illness and disease is related to stress. So stress might not be the primary cause, but it's a significant factor in the progression of disease, which is kind of fascinating. One of the ways to think about it is when let's say you've been hypervigilant watching the news. I've gone on a news diet because I know Same. that past 20 minutes, it's really going to change 
right? It's going to take me that much more meditation to calm down. But what happens is, right, your your brain is always seeking for um, threats and stressors. That that's part of our negativity bias. It's it's part of it's how we evolved as a species. So all that negative headlines, you know, the and and. Truly, I want to say it's not just the headlines. It's the fact of what's happening that we're not making this. It's not a hoax. Yeah. But there's a constant flow of cortisol, those stress hormones, cortisol and adrenaline kind of flooding into your system, priming your amygdala, which is the part of your brain that moves into fight, flight, um, sympathetic nervous response. Like it's priming it to sort of go into whatever you tend to do, fight, flight, or freeze. And I, I want to say that the problem with that is that our bodies aren't designed to constantly be in a state of hypervigilance. Mm-hmm. What happens is there's too much adrenaline, there's too much cortisol, and Dr. Lekos can much more elo- eloquently explain it. It starts to break down all these other systems, your metabolic systems, your endocrine system, your immunity, your sleep, all of these are intricately intertwined. And so there's got to be a point where your body downregulates into the parasympathetic state, which is like the rest and digest. So this is why the news is like being, we need to be on a diet with the news because if we're constantly hypervigilant, we're prone to get sick. It really does compromise your immunity. And so I'm not saying don't watch the news and don't pay attention and don't know what's going on. But I think I would invite you to just notice where your threshold is. Mm-hmm. And that I found like on certain days, you know, when I'm not reading an hour's worth of the Atlantic or the New Yorker, I actually feel a little better. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll read it the next day. I'll, I'll read it on next day. <laughs> 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 but that because it, it it affects my ability to, to to be present and really all we have right now is the ability to to take some responsibility for for ourselves for how we're coping and also the ecosystem in our little family lives whatever lives we have or if you're home with your cats or wherever you are all we have any uh, I want to say ability to control is that ecosystem that we're creating at home with ourselves and each other. I think that's the the most beautiful takeaway from this is we're all collectively going through this together, but mm-hmm. like maintain your little ecosystem. Yeah. Even yeah. if and that's just you in like your shitty apartment with like your roommate, <laughs> but truly, you know what I mean? Like maintaining a little bit of dignity, some good practices, leaning into being uncomfortable at the right time, but maybe trying to push yourself to, you know, maybe do some meditation or get a little ground or do some journaling or something. And and compassion, I think, is really key here. You know, and and I think we, we think of sort of compassion as kind of a squishy, soft thing that doesn't have a lot of legs to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, especially, you know, that gives self-compassion or compassion is always a hard sell with guys, right? They're like, oh, like got to muscle through this. And actually, I think it's it's that softness. It's that kindness. It's that nurturing uh, relationship to self that says, hey, this is tough. I'm, I'm struggling. This is really, really hard for me. In a way, it connects us all to our common humanity, right? We're, we're all coping with this or trying to cope with this. We're all going to have, I want to say, I don't know if I have any great days, but I have like better days and worse days. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if you're soft and kind with yourself, I want to say we equate compassion with a, a kind of vulnerability, mm-hmm. right? Which I think, you know, maybe some of us don't want to really connect with because that maybe we'll feel weak or maybe we'll even feel like, well, that's self-indulgent. But what I also want to say is vulnerability is also receptivity, 
vulnerability is also openness. You know, if you're able to be quiet and compassionate with yourself, you may get an amazing idea, either something mm. to do or something to write about, or maybe maybe you've got some time and space to think, hey, you know what? I really wasn't happy in that job, actually. I was stressed and I wasn't really, you know, maximizing my potential here. I'd really love to do this. Vulnerability is where new ideas come in. And so I, I think sometimes getting quiet, you know, and calming down and turning off, I want to say turning down the volume on all the news and all the anxiety can make space for other things to come in to your consciousness, you know? That's a perfect way to end, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so <you laughs> like so yeah. beautiful and a lovely high note. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. This was such a wow, pleasure. Thank you so much. Daphne, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Welcome. Anytime. First relationship question. <clears throat> this is from I'm gonna call her G. For the questions, mm-hmm. I have a couple and I ranked them in order of most important to least important. Well, this is multiple questions. Can we just sorry I'm interrupting? Can we just give them a fake name? Yeah. Okay. Maria. Great. This is from Maria. I'm in a one-year lease starting a week ago with my boyfriend of a year and a half who I have in the last few months realized is not the person I envisioned spending the rest of my life with, even though that was our plan. Fuck, I've been there. However, because of the lease, I feel stuck. So I just want to hear your thoughts. He also moved to the country for me, 70%, for something new, 30%. So I'm feeling pretty guilty. Since your video of you debating with each other about mortadella, I was Which curious on thing. your thoughts about <laughs> how much arguing real. in a relationship is healthy. As, as real as it gets. Especially since it's over small things like snacks. First of all, what I've learned about dating and marrying in Italian. That is, you should never finish the mortadella before it is done with it. I've never. I'm joking. Fucking. Let's move on because yesterday <laughs> I got an attic. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> Let's move on. Uh, that was not an argument. That was an animated conversation. I hope nobody in the world ever has to see us actually fucking argue because it's scary as shit. I was in a relationship at one point in time where I stayed because I really loved where we lived. I'm just going to say it. That's terrible. It's not, it's, yeah, it's terrible. But also I just felt so stuck and splitting that up and figuring out what to do with the place is a nightmare. So, also, guy, rent place from France. Find a way to rent a place without <laughs> signing a lease. Signing a lease. Okay, anyway. Doesn't lease have like a clausel about I'm breaking up with my boyfriend. Can I get the fuck out of here? Why they don't just... Because at that point, you're thinking mm. like, this is my guy. Yeah, but... It, okay, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't interrupt it. I did interrupt it. Sorry. I think your guilt over him mostly moving here from another country for you, I get that. That's valid. But I also have to say, like, you're doing him more of a disservice by staying with him if he's not your person. And for some reason, whatever entity you believe in brought him to where he is now because this door is going to close and another one's going to open. Okay. I feel that you guys are not roommates. You guys are partners. And if I don't feel good waking up in the morning and going to bed with you at night, I can't really, you know, I will not even think about my lease. My lease would be the last of my concern, to be honest. 
you can't get stuck in a plan that doesn't make you happy. You know, I said this before. It takes two people to dance. You can't just say, oh, because he's probably coming, you know, like, I get it. I, it believe me, I get it. It's come from another country, what he should do, what he blah, 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 blah. Like, you are not a government office. You're a woman that was dating somebody that at a certain point wasn't... Serving you. Not serving. It, it, it wasn't, it wasn't, it, the plan, it, it fell apart. So now keeping it together, it gets talk in something that important because it is important, sharing a house, sharing a life with somebody. I don't know your opinion, but I wasn't, I always opted for escape <laughs> in the past. Yeah, I Don, just but I used to just my stuff, disappear my from his very disappear. serious relationships. No, okay, I did also was very young, but I think that you should just face it. And yeah, you got to get out of there. You know, and either you get out of there as soon as fast as you can, or you just make it very clear and trying to give him some time to to find a plan B. But certainly you can't get stuck to the plan A because of a lease, you know? And I get it. We are both people that works here. So I, I, I do understand that financially and logistically, there might be a, a you know, yeah, but this is your life. You got to get this out of there. This is your life, girl. You got to get out of there. And I'm sorry that this is happening during a quarantine, but maybe that's a good excuse for once this yeah. is over to kind of say, hey, considering there's been a global pandemic and we've all had a moment to reflect and think about what we want out of our lives. You're not it, buddy. Totally. Because quarantine is only, you know, it's making it worse because it gives you more time together. You're sharing a space. You're together all the time. And it's not, I'm not shocked hearing that from you. Ready for the next one? Are you? Are you ready for the next question? Of course. I need you to be enthusiastic about it. I'm so enthusiastic right now. (laughs) Do not, do not pay attention to the, to to the, (laughs) what what is the sound, but to what I'm saying, your friends are amazing. (laughs) Your friends are amazing. I am enthusiastic. What's Even that? What's, not expressing what's that comedian's name? Um, Ronnie something. Ronnie Chang. Brilliant. Best comedian Brilliant ever. <clears throat> okay, this is from Beatrice. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Ciao, Be- Beatrice. Beatrice in English. Um, Beatrice is Beatrice. Beatrice is Beatrice. It's another name. Spelled exactly the same. Yeah, but you don't need to translate it. You know, Beatrice is Beatrice. Beatrice is Beatrice. Sorry, okay, so this David. is Beatrice. <laughs> spelled, no, Beatrice. David is spelled with zero E at the end. Your name is spelled differently. It's not Beatrice and Beatrice are spelled with <laughs> You fucking piece <laughs> of shit. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Stop. Wait, come on. You die. <laughs> this is from Beatrice. <laughs> it's so fucked up. The girl is expressing something intimate. We're here laughing. Uh, we don't even know what she's going to say. The more we are. <laughs> That's going to be my time out. <laughs> I hate that dog more than anything. 
<clears throat> so I started dating someone the first week of March. It was an instant connection. We were speaking the same language. I quickly met friends and went deep. Oh, being an immigrant. Yeah, we had some wrong <laughs> sentence. <laughs> wrong. <laughs> you should specify. Sorry, so after this. That must be that. <laughs> Also, it must be so nice that you guys get to speak the same language. I don't, I don't have that privilege with my that husband. Must be, that must be nice. <laughs> that must feel so good. Uh, <clears throat> I quickly met his friends and went deep emotionally with this person. We both lost our fathers when we were 19 and just got along very well, which leading up to this point hadn't allowed any men Wait, which leading up to this point, I hadn't allowed any men in, but I just felt that it was this person I was wanting to meet. Okay. We spent the next three weeks seeing each other. And then this whole shift of Corona slowly started coming in. The last time we hung out, we were planning on doing a road trip with his van, planning things post Corona, talking about how weird, cool it was to meet someone right now. Right before I left him, I said, I know it's been a short few weeks and I hate that I have to say this, but that I respected him and my roommates and I hope he wasn't sleeping with anyone out of the safety of the people in my life and me, to which he said, I'm crazy, not stupid. I didn't love that answer, but went along with it. He made it seem fine, texting me later, calling me pet names. Then he went to Santa Barbara for a few days and with plans to hang out a few days after, but he didn't show up or answer any of my calls. And then the next day he said he was staying in Santa Barbara for a while. Maybe I'm naive. I haven't been ghosted in years. If at all, I usually get answers. I'm lucky, but I checked in a week later for the standard. How are you? And no response, complete ghost. I'm left with no answers. No idea what the fuck happened. It was a real blow to my security and it's shaken up all these feelings, especially with Corona. I know this is an obvious thing, but he's just not that into you during a global pandemic. Oh man. But ghosting has left me with some serious PTSD and I'm just not sure how to handle it right now. Any advice besides a man's rejection is God's protection. I think that. I want answers too. I want answers. You deserve an answer. Fuck him. You deserve an answer. Totally. But I think that, I think it's clear reading these, these story that, even the way you written down is very, how do I say, is very, it's not linear. It's very, I can't feel you going through emotion or even only describing us what happened. And even only, you know, like so many comments and so many like, oh, but yeah, boom, bam, beam, boom. Like, I feel that is wrong. I feel that you are in a wrong situation only reading this, only hearing you, hearing Pia reading this story. So I truly believe you should just take your time and step back and might consider that this is this is not the right this is not the right way to to approach somebody. Yeah, you gotta you you gotta calm <clears throat> down. I mean not that you're not calm, but I you gotta Gain a little bit more. I don't know. I mean, oh, actually, you don't answer me on the phone. You know, I would be so fucking pissed I, I if I were only you. Once, I I'm, I'm so not. Pissed. And and in the past, I'm not being a. 
I've been in that situation. I've been the guy that doesn't answer on the phone, but I was consistent. No, like you did I, that to me that one time when we broke up and you knew that if you talked to me that you would. But So that's what I'm saying. Like I, that was my decision. That was my position. And I and, went code red psycho. I called know? him every day a thousand times, which made and, it worse. And, and, and then you understood that it wasn't the right thing to, to be together. It wasn't the right thing to force something that is not coming. I think she probably just wants an answer as to what happened. You know the answer. And an explicit, the an explicit answer is not going to make any better. She wants an answer, then she's being selfish, and then she's being forcing something mm-hmm. because she knows the answer. I think she does. And only reading it, and again, I don't know the circumstances of just reading something, and it doesn't sound right. It sounds like something that it, the fact that you guys bonded out of an episode like losing somebody that important, like your father, I'm sorry for that. The fact that you bonded in that, in that circumstance, that doesn't, it doesn't make you unbreakable. It doesn't make you, and it doesn't make you the perfect match for the rest of your life. I've been with people that during hard time on their life, I share with them very intimate and important moment and pain and and struggle and but that doesn't mean that when it was time to move on it was like oh but you know like I felt so connected to you when you lost somebody when on when we were like so vulnerable and fragile but oh so like you can't base a relation or you can base nothing out of something that happened but that right now is is not there in a in a in a in a way you know I will respect his position, which he's trying to express in his way. He's a, a little bit poor in manner, but you know, if somebody doesn't answer me on the phone. Yeah, you're going to have to do inner work there to get over this yourself because he's not clearly not willing to help you. So, and also she said in her second email that her favorite bra is at his house. Yeah, I've got your favorite bra is yours. Buy another one. Yeah, it's over. Uh, leave it to him. So you might, you might find it or somebody else sleeping in his place find it. You never know what's going to happen. Maybe he'll reappear at some point. But I've had a couple instances like this before. And it's kind of, it's the fucking worst feeling. But you're just going to have to practice a lot of mental strength right now. I so think when it's his- a mistake already arriving at a point to have somebody not answering to you on the phone. You should have been a little bit more sharp on realizing that you would have might arrive at that point. I don't know if I'm clear. What no, I'm that's not true. Based on this timeline, absolutely not. And guys fucking do this shit. They were supposed to hang out. And then he's like, oh, I'm going to stay in Santa Barbara a little bit longer. And then she never heard from him. And they were totally supposed to hang out around that time. So something happened. He probably met someone else. Don't worry. If I tell you to a friend, the next week I'm going to go to have a pizza with you and on Tuesday. And here Sunday he calls me. So what about the pizza? On Monday he texts me. Are we still going to the pizza? On a Tuesday morning, if I don't answer you, clearly we're not going to eat pizza together. Yeah. I'm not, so like, I think she only you, sent. You know what I mean? Like She just, sent one text message. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to. No. What she did is fine. And it's fair. Everything she did was fine. But this is going to, you're going to have to practice 
a lot of internal grace. You're going to have to practice a lot of mental control here to stop obsessing over it. And when he pops in your head, you got to just like switch your thoughts. You just are going to have to really be careful to... um, What the fuck are you doing? The chorus of that song is farewell, farewell. So he just missed it. it. But what I'm saying here, that the lesson here for you is practice, right? This is not going to go away. You're going to have to get out of this with mental and emotional practice with yourself. It'll make you stronger. This is a gift. And that's nice that you were able to enjoy him a little bit. And that's nice that you were able to open up to him about your father and hopefully that'll make you more available to open up to the next person considering that you said that it was something that was hard for you and this is going to be a lot of switching thoughts to self-focus I don't want to sound uh, no sensitive about this situation like I said before I think that sharing with somebody an experience like that it's extremely important but that doesn't really set no. Any sort of... Yeah, it doesn't mean that that's like your person. You know? All right. Thank you, Davide. Thank you. Thank you. I love you. I love you, brother. And that, ladies and gentlemen, concludes this week's episode of Everything is the Best. I hope you enjoyed it. Please rate, review, subscribe, all that stuff. Maybe leave a comment. But remember, shitty comments are for shitty people. Go ahead and follow me on Instagram at Pia Barangini. And I hope you have a fabulous, fabulous rest of your day. Love you. Ciao.